0: The Blaze Radio Network on demand. Prepare
1: yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vaches, I
2: don't have to show you how to
3: stinking vaches.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: A uh, somewhat. Breaking news, Uh, the last half hour, Scaramucci at the White House, out. Uh, (laughs) We'll probably hear a good deal of that in the flip around coming up with the Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you have tuned in, everybody. Well, suffice it to say, that's pretty dang quick. My understanding from a first glance at this is that uh, General Kelly taking over as Chief of Staff made this call. And that is the reason why we are seeing it happen right now. Um, several sources are on this, and we will do our best to cover it for you here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Meantime, telephone numbers triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. If you want to get in touch with the program uh, on social media, please jump on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX at CHRIS. S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X, as in Texas. Also catch the show live, blaze.com slash radio. Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app. On Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, there's a handy-dandy email link for you there as well. On-demand listening, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And go to Blaze.com and the channels section. Apparently, our discussion about John McCain and his betrayal of not only... Republicans, not only of uh, those being harmed by Obamacare, which is nearly everybody, at least a good 85% of the country, just a betrayal of the value system, allegedly the Republicans are said to value, was John McCain. And a lot of you reacted to that on the, the blaze.com channels section. Okay, so... Scaramucci is out, from what we're being told, and this was a decision by the incoming General Kelly as the, and I guess the President's going to make some remarks about this, but what is the first, when you heard me say it, what was the first reaction? Chaos. Absolute bedlam inside of the White House. And I think this was by design, ladies and gentlemen, as Turns out that Trump trusted because he's a political newcomer. Trusted a lot of folks. He probably shouldn't have trusted. So as a result, uh, trying to find out where the leaks had come, all consuming effort at the White House to purge these folks. I think they may have, they may have found them, but Scaramucci, and I'm hearing. I'm hearing some other scuttlebutt from from White House insiders I'm not going to share about Mr. Scaramucci because I can't confirm it. Um, But Scaramucci has some baggage, too, that may have compromised the White House, and I think that it's well known, uh, I mean, the the tweets aside, the uh, ranting to the New Yorker aside, that Mr. Scaramucci was... Even though a house cleaner, even though many folks like me liked him, I think that uh, General Kelly said, "Okay, it's time for the drama to stop. It's time for a real agenda and the agenda of the American people to take center stage instead of all of this turmoil. And that's why the decision was made. Let's go to uh, Fox's coverage of Scaramucci and the speech the president's about ready to give
4: more money in a tax break to the middle class and to investment uh, people who make their living off of investment income they want to they want to slash that to below 20 percent as well and you wouldn't get argument from many people in the middle class nor on the democratic side to increase taxes on the wealthiest individuals and again this is people making five million dollars and above so that may be a ploy to, to get some sort of bipartisan support here in the idea of tax reform uh, though I will say that Steve Bannon is probably an, an army of one <laughs> when it comes to a, a tax increase, to, even on the wealthiest American chef.
1: John, stay with us. Let's turn to The Washington Post reporter, Amber Phillips, who's live with us this afternoon as well. It,
3: did any- yes, let's go to The Washington Post because, you know, they're fair and objective. Let's not. Uh, Doc Thompson joining me right now happens to be uh, milling around smartly around the Blaze Studios here. Hey, Doc. Hey uh, there decided to get a extra work done today
5: yeah this is just crazy right now with scaramucci <laughs> i mean this is this is so sudden that mike flynn was like damn that was quick yeah, I, I know mean, seriously this is i mean it's a good thing if if general kelly is stepping up and saying we got to do some things i guess that could be a good thing but this does not look good this i'm not even pointing pointing fingers who's at fault it just is it's turmoil right now
3: and what's iron uh, ironic about this is here comes scaramucci He cleans house. He gets rid of Spicer. He gets rid of the RNC guys. He gets rid of Priebus. Priebus is the alleged leaker, or some of his higher-up subordinates are the alleged leakers. They are forced out. He brings in General Kelly, and General Kelly says, okay, Scaramucci's out.
5: (laughs) Right. So I, I... so, so then you have to say, what is um, what's coming next? We still don't know what's going on with Jeff Sessions and Rex Tillerson to a lesser degree has been, his name has been thrown about as somebody who is not the happiest and could leave. Um, are, are, does that slow down Jeff Sessions leaving either because he wants to or he gets fired or does it acerbate it? Does, does it not affect it at all?
3: Well, you know, I'm. I've heard just the opposite about Tillerson, who I've never really been a big fan of. Actually, I shouldn't say a big fan. That I was never. I I always thought John Bolton belonged in that role, Uh, but now there is they're they're bandying about the the name Nikki Haley from the uh, the U.N. ambassador, former governor of South Carolina, put her in there because she seems to be more of a of a pit bull that that State Department needs, not uh, uh, political doublespeak that Mister Tillerson seems to excel in.
5: Well, and it's the good news is they do have a deep bench when it comes to that, because there are some people that, like you said, Nikki Haley, that could slide in quickly. But that does set back any agenda or anything the White House is trying to do for quite a while.
3: Well, I don't see. And again, I don't know, because it seems okay. that the White House has been at odds with Rex Tillerson,
5: mm-hmm. that
3: Rex Tillerson's trying to push an agenda that is at odds with the Trump agenda. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that, that's what I'm hearing is the reason why he may be out, because he wants to run things. His way Mm -hmm. and wants to actually, and I'm sure it goes through his mind. I, you know, this guy's a political novice, and I want to help him out and uh, uh, and and uh, temper him. But that's not the way Donald Trump operates, and he he needs people that are that that have I don't know, shall we say, sold out to the Trump agenda. Meaning, I'm I'm check I'm going to check my agenda at the door. But I and I think that's been the Trump problem is he's trusted a lot of folks who have wanted to go in there and fix him. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm. Priebus, mm-hmm. Spicer, uh, Tillerson, I think, may, may uh, be somewhat guilty of this. And Trump doesn't want to be handled. He, he says, I set the agenda. You're either with me or get out. And that's, that may be the reason why there's such turnaround. And, he, and people go in there, oh, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And they get in, they start making changes and start oper- uh, being independent actors. And maybe that's what we're seeing.
5: Yeah, I don't I don't know where they're going with this right now, but uh, it's not looking great. I know Trump is making his way in and is going to speak any second now and uh, yeah. hopefully address this stuff. But if you're just tuning in, Scaramucci is being asked to, to leave.
3: Yeah, uh, President, we've just been given the one minute warning here. The president's making his way up to the podium right now. And as he does, we will uh, bring it to you live here on the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. So so uh, in the next uh, 30 seconds or so, Doc, why don't you give me, um, just, just, not, not as a talk show host, as a, politi- uh, a, a politico, just give me your impression as an American, seeing what's happening, Congress, the White House. Give one, me your overall description. One,
5: one question: How does this, and more per- in particularly, how does what Congress is doing or not doing help the American people that they say they're trying to help? Americans exactly. need help. How does it help?
3: How does it? How does it empower, uh, shall we say, Americans the to forgotten. help themselves?
5: Yep, the forgotten. Whoever you know, those forgotten are,
3: there's a there's a debate that we're probably going to have uh, on the, on one of the local shows, one of my local shows about Medicaid funding for the state of Texas,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and the the idea is, well, we're going to raid a, a rainy day fund to get that Medicaid money that's needed. And I go, why don't you guys come up with a plan mm-hmm. to get to get those people who rely on that Medicaid funding off of government dependence. How about that's that? a real, that's a real plan. Why don't we make a one-time investment to wean people off? Why don't you come up with a plan that does not entail government who, who was likely responsible for, shall we say, ruining it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't involve government. How do you empower the people instead of empowering government? So and that's, that's a question.
5: Uh, you're right. That's what they should all be asking. Whether they will or not, we'll see. I don't
3: don't get that impression. All right. Uh, uh, The White House, we go now. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate you uh, chiming in. Uh, And it looks like there's an introduction here for the President of the United States. Guys, let's stay with it as long as we possibly can. It's live here at the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze.
7: For the gift of this day, of this time, and for all living lives devoted in service to you and to our country. Our hearts are especially grateful today for the courage, honor, and extraordinary service of Specialist James McLuhan, whose repeated acts of bravery convey to us a true understanding of the value of life. As his service demonstrates your faithfulness and unconditional love for all humanity, we ask you, Lord, continue to inspire and guide others to their own acts of selfless service and grant us all now
3: the invocation right now before the president speaks as the president is about to award the medal of honor to a former army medic who saved several lives in the vietnam conflict amen
2: thank you very much please be seated Thank you, Chaplain Hurley, Secretary Mnuchin, Secretary Mattis, Secretary Shulkin, Senator Stabenow, Congressman Upton, and members of the armed forces, thank you for joining us as we award our nation's highest military honor to Specialist 5, James C. McLuhan. Today, we pay tribute to a veteran who went above and beyond the call of duty to protect our comrades, our country and our freedom.
3: Folks, I got to get to a break here because I'm a little bit over. Uh, We will continue to monitor this and see what happens if the president addresses this. I don't know. This is the particular venue where he would take questions from the press regarding internal White House uh, goings on. As he is awarding the highest, as you heard, the highest honor uh, to an Army medic. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze.
8: Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: Chris Salcedo
1: is on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: All right, the president is still speaking. Um, in this uh, McCluhan, this uh, Sergeant McCluhan, who is receiving highest uh, highest military honor uh, from the president, and we will um, will continue to monitor it after he awards uh, gives the award. He's telling the story of his heroic. Valor, which is actually something that is uh, something that the country I believe needs—a true and honest hero. Um, bef- uh, unlike what we saw on display on the floor of the Senate last week from John McCain, and don't worry, folks, I'm, I'm not—I'm not going to. We posted an awful lot about this because it prompted a lot of introspection, not only in. And what I'm doing here on the radio every day, but what the Republican Party is doing. So let's, uh, let's continue to listen as the President of the United States talks about James McLuhan and uh, his heroics in the Vietnam
2: War. And tended to countless others. He was one of 32 men who fought until the end. They held their ground against more than 2,000 enemy troops. Jim, I know I speak for every person here when I say that we are in awe of your actions and your bravery. But let me tell you one thing and one more story about Jim. On the second day of that bloody fight, Jim found a few soldiers and a fellow soldier who had been shot badly in the stomach. He knew the soldier wouldn't make it if he flung him on the back, so he lifted him up and carried him in his arms. As Jim was carrying the soldier, a thought flashed through his mind. Although Jim had always been very close to his father, he realized that it was not since he had been a young boy that he had told his dad those three very simple but beautiful words, I love you. In that moment, Jim offered up a prayer. He asked God, if you get me out of this hell on earth so I can tell my dad I love him, I'll be the best coach and the best father you could ever ask for. As he prayed, a great peace came over him. And if it was God's will for him to live, he'd keep his promise to God as soon as he had the chance jim made it out of that hell on earth he made it here he is and the first thing he did when he arrived back on american soil was to say those beautiful words i love you dad i love you jim said those words over and over again for the next 22 years until the last time he saw his father the night before his dad passed on Today I'd venture to say his dad is the proudest father in heaven. Jim fought with all of the love and courage in his soul. He was prepared to lay down his life so his brothers in arms could live theirs. With us today are ten of the men who fought alongside Jim and five of those he saved. To Bill, Randy, Mike, Joe, Kent, Robert. John, Charles, Michael, Orestes, thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Stand up wherever you may be. Where are you? Where
3: are you? President Trump awarding the Medal of Honor to James McCullen, Vietnam war veteran.
2: Thank you, fellas. That's great. For over two centuries, our brave men and women in uniform have overcome tyranny, fascism, communism, and every threat to our freedom. Every single threat they've overcome. And we've overcome these threats because of titans like Jim, whose spirit could never be conquered. That's what this award is. And Jim's life represents so well. America's unbreakable spirit. It's been 48 years since Jim's battle in Vietnam. He is now a husband, a father, and a grandfather. He coached high school, football, wrestling and baseball for 38 years, just like he said he would. And he brought together every member he could find of his beloved Charlie Company. To many people in this room, Specialist 5 McLuhan has always been their friend Jim. To others, he's been coach. To those who bravely served with him, in Vietnam, he still called their duck. To his parents Scotty and Margaret, both watching from heaven, he will always be their son. But today three hundred and twenty million grateful American hearts, Private McLuhan carries one immortal title, and that title is Hero. Specialist Five McLuhan We honor you. We salute you. And with God as your witness, we thank you for what you did for all of us. Now I would like the military aide to come forward and read the citation.
3: Perfect timing. Uh, He is getting his award, the Medal of Honor. And uh, here it is, live on the Chris Del Show. Up next, we'll talk McCain, folks, and the Republican betrayal.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network. The
3: Chris Salcedo Show. All right, the president has wrapped up his uh, his awarding of the Medal of Honor to James McCullen. And seeing as how this speech interrupted the flip around, we can see if our friends over at Fox or maybe at MSNBS or CNN have gotten any more information. I can tell you that during the breaks, we've been reading up a little bit on this, and it seems that everybody is... In consensus that uh, that Scaramucci was dismissed at the behest of General Kelly, and he wanted to make sure things were on track, and Scaramucci might have been might have proven to be a little bit of a distraction. That's that's the sense that we're getting. It seems to be uh, this administration is is trying to find its footing. Now while. While this is going on over inside of the White House over in Congress, it's a complete cluster, a complete and utter disaster with the Republican Party. I think without a- sh- beyond a shadow of a doubt, proving it cannot govern now why <laughs> There was a there was a little back and forth that was that was going on uh, on Friday. I happened to be off this show and I didn't have the Houston show to do, so I was flipping around and filling in on the Mark Levin show was uh, was a friend of the program and a good guy by the name of Dan Bongino, and Dan was a former Secret Service agent run for Congress a couple of times. And he started going through many of the frustrations, laments that that I had gone through last week in the wake of John McCain's, well, let's let's call it what it is, typical behavior. Uh, Mr. McCain has made a career of being a general pain in the ass to Republicans, not to Democrats, mind you, but to Republicans, he has the undying respect and admiration and love from uh from Democrats it seems to be those are the folks he most associates with, most relates with, and I've said this before of John McCain that if he if he were in a state that was if he resided in a state that was mostly Democrats, he himself would be a Democrat, and that's that's just my take of a man with no moral compass, with no values. Anyway, so Dan Bongino starts talking openly about a third party. I have not done this. I've I've asked the question. I've nibbled around the edges because I. I don't know if the country could survive a non-unified front against uh, the, the oncoming Democrat victories that would, that would occur after, uh, after conservatives split from about the, the, the 20% of Republicans who are establishment. Could, could they survive? Could we stand the electoral onslaught? And, my, and I'm forced to answer no. I'm forced to answer that that we would, and I don't know that the country could handle it again. I don't know that we could handle another era of Obama or somebody like him with Pelosi and Reid and, and, and Obama, that trio. Doing the significant damage they did to this country. That being said. How much is the Republican Party getting in the way now? The Republican Party has done very little. As a matter of fact, they've done nothing. To reverse the growth of government. They've done nothing to reverse the scope of government. They've done nothing to reduce, to reduce the size and the influence of the government. Instead, what they have done is they've come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. 2010, it was, well, we can't do anything because we only have one House of Congress. We just have the House of Representatives. We can do something, but not everything. Then when they won the House, they said, well, you know, we can get bills up there to Obama, but he's not going to sign anything. We need the White House. Now that we have the White House, what is their excuse? Well, they've run out of excuses. Now, and that's why I think the Trump presidency is so vitally important, that it has revealed it, the likes of Capito, Shelley Moore Capito, the likes of, (coughs) excuse me, uh, Murkowski, the likes of John McCain, they they no longer have anything to hide behind. John McCain, Lisa Murkowski, hell, all of them except for Susan Collins, campaigned on repealing Obamacare. Uh, We. We can go look at the campaign commercials. They're all available on YouTube, folks. They decried it. They said it was terrible for America. And when they had the chance to vote it down, nearly universally, they all said, "Ah, we're not going to do that. Because we don't have a, we don't have a replacement plan yet. Well, wait a minute. Um, the, the replacement if there's a two-year sunset do you mean that if you were given a two-year window that you guys in congress couldn't get the job done john mccain lisa murkowski is that what you're saying well you know there might be some truth to it because you guys had seven years and all you did is sit on your collective butts and even before that mitch mcconnell and John and John Boehner said, We're not gonna come up with an alternative to Obamacare. So the American people had no Republican alternative. And the reason why they didn't, folks, is because Obamacare was gonna be look at government goodies. And they didn't want to put up a bill that said, oh, free market. They didn't want to be the grown-ups. They didn't want to tell America, sorry, you don't deserve health care paid for by somebody else. That's not an American right. That's not a right. Isn't socialism wonderful? I think the people of Venezuela would dispute that right about now. You guys seen the video coming out of out of Caracas this weekend? It's an, It's incredibly, well, depressing and tragic. So... As I'm listening to Dan Bongino openly talk about a third party, I was reminded of you know, it was a lot of stuff that you and I brought up together last week. And what he was talking about is that, you know, you've got the House, you've got the Senate, you've got the, you've got the, the White House. Republicans control everything, but they can't get anything done. And why is that? And it's because the Republican Party has so watered down what it is to be a Republican, it's absolutely meaningless. I'm a Republican, what does that mean? That doesn't, that doesn't define you. It, 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 you know, Lisa Murkowski is a, is a Republican, so is Ted Cruz. And I can find nothing those two agree on. Same thing with Senator Collins. She's a Republican, an alleged Republican. The hell does he and oh does she and uh, Mike Lee agree upon? Not much, Not anything I can find. and it's it's like i was talking with doc how many of these people have the the mental character the the heart to say i'm going to legislate to empower the people not empower the government to help the people so the people know who to vote for and there's a difference and when that and the definition of help is oh steal money from somebody else to pay for them to get to get health care or to get whatever whatever there's no there's no unifying principle because the Republican Party doesn't insist on adherence to the Republican Party platform I mean Susan Collins what part of the Republican Party platform does that woman actually agree with? Same thing for Murkowski or Portman or Shelley Moore Capito. What do they actually support Other of the conservative? If you guys read it, look at the Republican Party platform. It's still largely conservative, but it's window dressing because nobody adheres to it. I shouldn't say nobody. Few in the party adhere to it. So there's no unifying principle so then you got to ask yourself, why vote Republican anymore? It looks good on paper, but in, in practice, it's a sham. John McCain proves what a scam the Republican Party is. And this isn't to say that the, Democrat, I mean, the Democrats say what you want to about them. They're unified in harming America. They're unified in socialism. They're unified in in government control over everything. They're unified in saying that government is a solution to the problems that government itself creates. They're unified. Republicans are, well, you got some Republicans who oppose that kind of thing. And you got some Republicans who are on board with the Democrats like John McCain. Now I used to think that a Republican was one who abhorred socialism. One who, uh, abhorred, out of control, expensive and unaffordable government, unaffordable government. But that was dashed to pieces in the last couple of weeks, hasn't it been? And you might say that six senators isn't a Republican Party make, but but those are the only ones who went on record. How many, how many of the Republican Party are right in line with Susan Collins or John McCain? Well, we know that Lindsey Graham, Bob Corker are, even though they voted the correct way, many speculate out of necessity, they're right on board with the likes of John McCain. So uh, I- I've got more on this. Let me get to a break. I'm a little long. I just looked at the clock. I'll be right back, folks. Chris Sato Show here on The Blaze.
5: Hell, storms are coming. It's
1: not, it's not just a show. It's a force of nature.
0: Hashtag Salcedo Storm.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show Salcedo. on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Calcedo Show on the
3: Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Some reports say that Mr. Scaramucci felt it was best to give the new chief of staff, John Kelly, a clean slate. I think that's just window dressing, folks. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's possible that Scaramucci came in and said, look, I'm only going to be here for like 10 days. My job is to come in, drop a few bombs, and then leave. But I don't think that's what what happened. What transpired here? Uh, they are uh, Sarah sucked, uh, Huckabee Sanders is about ready to come out to the podium, and you know what? That's why I think we might do a second flip around, only because uh, the president's speech uh, pushed back the press briefing, and so we might be able to hit this right when we come back from the next break and hear what her explanation for this is. I'm kind of dying to hear about it myself. But as far as, I wonder if there is still that that section of the WhiteHouse.gov page where you can make a petition. Let me offer for you guys a suggestion for a petition. At the top of the Chris Sato Show Facebook page, you'll see a picture of John McCain, the senior, Senator from Arizona. And in this post, we suggested that since John McCain. Had determined that we, the people must stay on Obamacare. That we, the taxpayers, should insist this alleged public servant get his medical care from the VA. I mean, think about it, folks. John McCain has spent a career claiming to be. Uh, an advocate for those in the military. And, of course, he sat silent while President Obama devastated the U.S. military's readiness and capability for the last eight years. He sat silent as the Veterans Administration uh, was basically running roughshod over and cutting right through the human tissue of our of our nation's veterans. So if this system was good enough for our nation's veterans, shouldn't it be good enough for John McCain? No, I know he's significantly more wealthy and very well connected and a real powerful senator. But somehow folks, I don't remember a dramatic bill to improve the veterans administration. John McCain valiantly Making his way up to the front, to and holding his hand in the middle of the air and giving a thumbs up to Veterans Administration reform. Somehow, I don't think that happened, but it was just as dramatic when he killed Obamacare reform. Just a thought.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I
2: don't have to show you how to stinking vices.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: This is uh, pretty important, too, folks. We uh, talked about this in the first hour. Oh, by the way, our, our buddy Jack Posobiec will be on to talk about what John McCain was rumored to have said after he cast the deciding vote that killed the Obamacare repeal. You've got H.R. Uh, McMaster, the National Security Advisor, and Secretary Steve Mnuchin talking about the U.S. reaction to the, the murder of 10 people by the Venezuelan regime. They are now a dictatorship as the government has seized power, oppressing its people. And uh, they're talking about that at the White House. And then um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will open the floor to questions.
7: ...ignored by Nicolas Maduro, who dreams of becoming a dictator. Yesterday's illegitimate elections confirm that Maduro is a dictator who disregards the will of the Venezuelan people. The National Constituent Assembly aspires illegitimately to usurp the constitutional role of democratically elected National Assembly, rewrite the Constitution, and impose an authoritarian regime on the people. As such, it represents a rupture in Venezuela's constitutional and democratic order.
3: It's bad down there, folks. This is is all the left-wing buttercups on college campuses. This is what their backward instructors, their agendized instructors won't show them. The dirty underbelly of socialism, where it all leads. I think it's important to point out that Venezuela at one time was the shining jewel down there. One of the wealthiest countries in the region. And it was all frittered away by socialists, hungry for power. There is a step the United States can take. We can stop buying their oil. And I'm hoping we do. We need to stop financing. And by the way, they have a particular brand of oil down that way. It's, it's heavy, crude and not every country can refine it. We can. So their market for that is incredibly limited. And that is the reason why we have been such a uh, a stable market for them to get money. I, that, uh, that ought to immediately stop. There There should be no American purchase of a dictator's product. And that regime can't kill its own people if it can't function it cannot kill its own people if it cannot exist so now uh questions being thrown at secretary mnuchin and hr mcmaster
5: the president has prioritized really his his concern for the venezuelan people and so he's only considering those options which would benefit directly the venezuelan people Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Um, um, how many times has OPEC sanctioned sorry, the head of state before? And uh, does Maduro have any assets in the U.S.? Uh, I
7: can't comment on his assets. And uh, this will be the fourth head of state.
2: Uh, the Secretary, in, Secretary, in the back. Secretary, you
5: call Yes. Can Can thank you very much. I have two questions. One on the sanctions and another one about the election yesterday.
8: And about the election, uh, I want to know if do you see the election, as an attempt by Nicolás Maduro to uh, consolidate power and dismiss election next year?
3: And also, uh, some say, especially the opposition, and also uh, the Washington Post editorial board say that uh, the Venezuela regime is
6: on the direction of a a coup, is moving in the direction of a coup. Does the American government fear there is a coup underway
8: in Venezuela? And then the question
5: on sections I asked after. Well, what we're seeing in Venezuela is, is not a coup. What we're seeing is the, the brutal oppression of the Venezuelan people. And so it's clear if you contrast the turnout from the opposition re- referendum to the very low numbers of the turnout during, this, uh, during this, this, this farce associated with the Constituent Assembly. I think you see what the true desires of the Venezuelan people are.
6: Okay. Can I, can I
3: yeah, uh they're gonna this of course is is incredibly important, folks, but uh we're kind of waiting for the White House to address what's going on with Scaramucci. And uh we will get to that as soon as Sarah Huckabee Sanders Sanders steps back out of the podium. But on I think this is this is a perfect a time to bring up the the real world ramifications of socialism. I mean, it sounds. I mean, if you guys look on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page right now, there is some Buttercup on there, and she is going to town about how wonderful socialism is. Let me see if I can find this. This is uh, on the post about John McCain and about his vote, and you got to scroll down a ways to find it. But uh, yeah, where is it? When oh yes, when you reach the video. Of the Maverick, and I think you know what I might as well. I might as well play the dang thing, so you, so you guys can hear this. This was the dramati- this so called dramatic moment. Now, before we went to break, I told you there was no moment like this for military funding. There was no moment like this for ref- uh, mandatory, much needed reform for the for the Veterans Administration but there but there, there was a moment orchestrated by John McCain and his Democrat friends to kill Republican efforts to get rid of socialism. Think about that. Uh, here is how it played out in front of the world. Sorry. Yes. Thank you Mr. Thank you. Peters all right. John McCain has just moved into frame and he's standing there after Mr. Peters and he's standing there during Mr. Peters and he's standing there with his arm well, the one arm he can raise one arm raised Uh, and if you look at that freeze frame you can see Elizabeth Warren trying to peek from her vantage point at what John McCain is doing. You see Mitch McConnell with his arms folded. He knows what's coming. Marco Rubio off to the left. All the Republicans who know that John McCain is about ready to stab the country in the back. They know what's coming. And he stands there and he waits for the dramatic pause until everybody's looking at him in true John McCain arrogant fashion. And then he pulls the trigger. Audible gasps in the gallery. He stands there, holds his arm up, and then thumbs down. And then walks off. Drops the mic. Now, when we come back, we'll talk to our buddy Jack Posobiec. He says that there was something that John McCain said when he got off the floor to his Democrat friends. We'll tell you what that is coming up on The Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This
1: is The Chris Salcedo Show.
3: Only on The Blaze Radio Network.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. All
3: right, welcome back, everybody. Hour two is underway. I am Chris Salcedo. I am your host, your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the country. Let's get to our guest, Jack Vasobic. He's a filmmaker and author of the book Citizens for Trump. He's a Republican political operative and a veteran of the United States Navy. Also a a sci-fi fan, just like your... Your humble host here. Hey Jack, welcome back to the Salcedo Show.
8: Hey, Chris, great to be back. I really appreciate being here. But man, that vote last week, how about it on the Obamacare thing?
3: Well, yeah, I know. And and it was very disappointing. And the video is up on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, and you see the the arrogance and and the the self import that John McCain has as he struts up to the toward the dais and the whole. Uh, Senate stops and is focused on him and he holds up his hand waiting, making sure that everybody in the cameras and everybody looks at him. And then he just points his thumb down and an audible gasp from the gallery as he knifes once again, Republicans in the back and, and and in so doing knifes the country in the back with uh, his vote to keep the socialist model of Obamacare around. Now you've been hearing through your channels there on Capitol Hill That John McCain had a motivation here. Now, what he says, Jack, is that he's doing this uh, because he wants Democrats to be involved and the Republicans ought not be shutting out his friends on the Democrat side of the aisle. What have you been hearing?
8: I've been hearing the exact opposite. I've, I've been hearing twos coming down to that. He is doing this to stick the finger in the eye of both the Republicans, but the president himself. Uh, there, there was a line, and I, it's a little Machiavellian, but someone actually said he was heard joking later that night. Let's see Donald make America great again now, uh, laughing with a bunch of Democrats. He saw them hugging and laughing on the, on the Senate floor there after the vote. And then afterwards, he also said that he was doing this because Rand Paul, Actually blocked up the vote for the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. that vote was blocked later that morning, uh, so he was doing this as a way to get back at Rand Paul for blocking that that military vote and it 's simple just just partisanship, you know, not being upset to get his own way, getting very upset and say, and putting the entire country 's health care on his own personal vendetta
3: do you happen now look because we have to we have to put this out there that these are these are allegations, folks. None of this is proven, and nobody has come forward and put their name on this. Although, Jack, your sources, are are, are, they, are you willing to name names as to which staffer from which political office heard McCain allegedly make these remarks?
8: Uh, I can say that it was a staffer that is located near uh, uh, John McCain's office in the Senate building. I'll say that much.
3: Okay. All right. Well, I, I guess that's, that's about all we're going to get. Now, about, about the GOP. Uh, it seems clear to many individuals that this party is incapable of governing.
8: Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the GOP, you're looking at Mitch McConnell, and he's supposed to be the Senate majority leader crafting this legislation and pushing it through. Well, where's him pushing back on John McCain as a Republican and saying, hey, as a member of the party, we've decided to vote for this bill and you're going to go against it anyway. So where is the leadership? You know, this part of this is the reason that Reince Priebus was let go as chief of staff, because. His job as the former chair of the GOP was supposed to bring the party in line with the Trump agenda to marry everything together and make it work. And that just hasn't happened. And so now we're seeing the president, and rightfully so, I would say, say, you know what? If you guys can't get it done, then I'm going to get it done on my own.
3: Isn't this a mechanism, though, of of a Republican Party that has truly lost its way? I saw Jeff Flake over the weekend on CBS saying that the GOP has lost its way, but he was – he was making allusion to to President Trump. But it seems that the party itself has allowed so many people into that party under the guise of this this big tent concept. And nobody agrees on anything uh, because there is no unifying principle in the Republican Party. We, I mean, we used to think it was, you know, pro-business, limited government uh, against socialism. But we, we don't see that anymore.
8: You're right. And, and I think that's a fair statement to say that the, the traditional Republican lexicon is different from sort of the Trump coalition, which is, I guess, a little bit more similar to the Reagan coalition. You say a lot of those Reagan Democrats, those pro-union types coming in. And so now they're having to find a way. To, how do you work with that? How do you find legislation that fits that 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 political space when you have some people that are very ideologically opposed to certain things that people in the Trump coalition may be maybe for?
3: Right. Well, yeah. And not only those who happen to be staunch conservatives and leery of of public employee unions, but also on the flip side of the equation, you got the McCain the McCain's, the the uh, Portman's, the Murkowski's, uh, those individuals who if the, if they had their druthers, if they didn't have a state that was a majority Republicans, they would be Democrats.
8: Oh, absolutely. I mean, at this point, um, I mean, I don't even think John McCain remembers that he's a Democrat anymore, Uh, or excuse me, a Republican anymore. See, I can't even keep it straight. He doesn't (laughs) vote with his own party. I think someone said the line uh, recently, I I wish I could take credit for it, but they said, I'm starting to think that John McCain voted for Obama in 2008.
3: (laughs) Well, he didn't exactly, he didn't run a very robust campaign. He was... His uh, timid campaign unleashed Barack Obama on this country. Uh, Jack Wasobik, everybody, filmmaker, author of Citizens for Trump. He's a Republican. He's a Navy veteran and a sci-fi fan to boot. Sir, always appreciate the time here on the Chris Salcedo Show.
8: Thanks for having me on, Chris.
3: 888 933 933 We have some of the—this uh, this. was on tape here moments ago— from the white house and this this was sarah huckabee sanders stepping up at the podium and this is what went on
7: creating jobs and that's what we're going to do and that's what we're going to be focused on john
4: sir was it was it a chain of command issue because Scaramucci uh said that he had a direct line of communication with the president Uh, there's been some speculation that uh, general kelly may try to tighten up the number of inputs that the president has so was it something about the chain of command or did it have anything to do with that interview with last You uh, left?
7: Look, the president certainly felt uh, that Anthony's comments were inappropriate for a person in that position. Um, and he didn't want to burden General Kelly uh, also with that line of succession, as I think we've made clear uh, a few times over the course of the last couple of days to several of you individually. But uh, General Kelly has the full authority. Um, to operate within the White House when, when and all say, staff will report to him.
4: When you say you didn't want to burden him with that line of succession, you mean the chain of command?
7: Yeah, correct. Hey, 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 hey,
4: question. And if we could just clarify one point about this chain of command. Uh, apparently Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, have said they look forward to following General Kelly's lead. When it comes to the people who have access to the president, will, will that conduit be narrowed down now? Will everything flow through Kelly or will some things still flow around the chief of
7: staff. As I just said, uh, the president's given full authority to General Kelly and he'll make those
3: determinations. Okay. So there you have it. Now look, none of this. And there's a reason why I waited for this. And I can guarantee you the questioning went on and on, went on, and on. There's a couple of questions in there about Russia, about the sanctions package that the president's going to be signing. By the way, Russia expelling 755 American diplomats in retaliation for this sanctions package. He's expected to sign it. It's a little timid for my my taste. I I think it'll take too long to punish Russia for invading an ally militarily. And by the way, it will not result in Russia being forced to give back the land they seized to our allies, the Ukrainians. But uh, it's as far as sanctions go, they seem to be rather robust. And while all that is going on, you've got North Korea that the president has come out and said, I'm done. The House has said, I'm sorry, the uh, House and the Senate both teamed up to include North Korea in these sanctions and Iran in these sanctions. So it's a rather broad-based sanctions package. But Donald Trump saying, quote, we will no longer allow this to continue. And the, the communists over in China calling our president a child. Well, OK, if that's if that's their answer, respectfully, Mr. President, I would say it's time to start looking at the Woody Islands. If that's their answer, Mr. President, I think it's about time we start. Complying with the South Koreans request, they're already expressing interest in nukes. They want to develop them. Well, we can save them time. We will station nuclear, short-range nuclear missiles uh, in North Korea, uh, manned by American soldiers. Don't want anybody getting too itchy a trigger finger. You know what I mean? And then we will also work with our military bases over in China, and we'll deploy nukes there. Hey, If the Chinese want to sit back on their collective rear ends, their communist rear ends and do nothing about the pot-bellied dictator there in North Korea, that's their choice. But if they don't act, we're going to. And it's something they need to be made to understand. And I think if the president decides to go through with deploying missiles, and nobody's saying he will yet, but if he decides to go through deploying nukes, I think that's a game changer. Talk Nancy Pelosi next.
8: 888-900-3393.
0: The Chris Salcedo Show.
8: On the Blaze Radio Network.
1: listening to the Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Telephone number, if you want to weigh in, is 888 933 900 3393 There was, it was all the talk over the, over the Sunday shows of Donald Trump's alleged threat. He's threatening. Now, what is he threatening? He's threatening to, t- to stop CRS payments and these uh, CRS payments are basically payments made up out of thin air by Barack Obama to help individuals defer the cost of their skyrocketing health insurance under his Obamacare marketplaces. I'm making air quotes with my fingers. So these payments were never debated never voted on by congress they were just made up out of thin air by the obama administration to make obamacare work administratively so trump since it wasn't passed through legislation it was passed through executive order trump can call it off and as a matter of for, uh, fact a court has sided with republicans and donald trump saying there is nothing under the law these payments are illegal There is nothing under the law that says you should be doing this. So Trump is well within his rights to take it away because the payments themselves are illegal. But the press, the biased press reports it as, oh, he's threatening. He's threatening. You know who else he's threatening? He's threatening Congress. Now, the Chris Salcedo show has made a pretty big deal over the fact that these... Individuals of both political parties and their staff on Capitol Hill got rather generous, uh, shall we say, compensation to help defray the costs that they all knew would be coming from Obamacare legislation. Twelve grand a year to offset their insurance costs paid for by. See, the insult is it's paid for by you. I Reference this I think all the way back in 2013 when I did that uh, video on patents, too called Obamacare, the crab sandwich. You guys can look that up. We talked, we're talking about it way back then. So now here's uh counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway on Fox News Sunday, uh, being asked, will the president Do these things. Is the president
9: going to cut off the CSR payments, the out-of-pocket payments? He can do
3: it starting next month. CSR. I think I said CRS. CSR payments.
9: This week?
6: Yes, he can. He, he he can. He's going to make that decision this week, and that's a decision that he, that only he can make. But let's go back to what we're really talking about here. When he, when he said yesterday in the same tweet, I believe, about the bailouts for insurance companies, bailouts for members of Congress, he's talking about the CSR payments. He's also talking about this really sweet deal that the members of Congress and their staffers have, where they are not beholden to the same health care that so many Americans say is unaffordable and unsustainable and untenable. And this is exactly what so many americans hate about washington dc they feel like they have their nose pressed up against the glass peering into the special interests the swamp the, the the lobbyists the the folks on capitol hill they want people to live under the same rules they do
3: affordable health care for thee or for me and not for thee that's the capitol hill mantra now granted there are a lot of people out there in america that get subsidies too but nowhere near Paying for, what was it, 73, 74% of their health care costs are paid for by the taxpayers? How many of you folks get that? Not many of us. Uh, Pelosi was asked about all this. One
9: of the things that you very much want, and you've just referred to it, I talked to Kellyanne Conway about it, is what are called cost-sharing reduction payments. These are payments to insurance companies that lower the out-of-pocket costs to things like deductibles uh, and, and co-pays.
3: Socialism. It's what it is it's socialism it's when the government collects taxes from the country and then says oh you need to have insurance okay let us purchase some of that for you so you can afford it it's also a massive payoff to the insurance companies think about it this way before Obamacare you paid let's say you paid 500 bucks for your insurance. And then after Obamacare, the cost soars to a thousand bucks. But ah, here comes the government. Government says, well, we don't want you to be in pain. So we're going to give you 500 bucks to put toward your now thousand dollar insurance premium. And as far as you're concerned, your cost didn't go up. But they did. Who won in this scenario? That's right. The traitorous insurance companies. Uh, Who lost? You did because the insurance policy was crap. It wasn't tailored to your needs. It was tailored to what Obama said you needed and what Democrats said you needed. Bronze plan, silver plan, gold plan, platinum plan. And the traitorous insurance companies make out like bandits. Oh, and by the way, if you work and you pay taxes, you are paying some of that money anyway to the traitorous insurance companies. So you lose all around. The the traitorous insurance companies win. And big government wins
9: for lower income people who are on the exchanges. And Pres- uh, let me and just say, income. President Trump tweeted this yesterday. If a new health care bill is not approved quickly, bailouts for insurance companies— he's talking about the CSRs—and bailouts for members of Congress will end very soon. Here's my question, Leader Pelosi: To keep those CSR payments? What are you as Democrats willing to give to get a real compromise?
6: Let's go. Let's back up
3: on this. No, the question was, what are you willing to compromise? And she couldn't answer. You know why? Because Nancy Pelosi isn't willing to compromise a damn thing. Because Democrats don't compromise. Democrats have the press on their side. They don't have to compromise. By the way, Wallace takes two bites of this apple. But remember, here's the question. Let me, let me re-cue it and let you listen to it again.
9: Pelosi, to keep those CSR payments, what are you as Democrats willing to give to get a real no, compromise?
6: No, wait, let's go, let's back up on this. The Affordable Care Act is a market-oriented proposal. Um. That's,
3: that's an out-and-out out lie. That is an out-and-out out lie. And by the way, it's not a proposal, madam. It's a law. Remember you said we had to pass it to see what was in it? You guys need to look this up. As a matter of fact... You can go on the Chris Sato Show Facebook page. There is a, believe it or not, a CNBC article that shows how many counties in America where there are no or one insurer. Meaning there are no choices in what you have. That's not the free market, Nancy Pelosi. When you have zero choices, that's not the free market. I'd say roughly it's about 40, 45% of the country. Probably 40. 40% of the country, judging by the map and the counties, does not have a choice. Yeah, 35. Let's just, let's, let's be, well, no, wait a minute. If you're just going by size, heck, the entire state of Hawaii. Nearly the entire state of Hawaii. No, not Hawaii. Alaska. All of Alaska. Alaska. Thank you, Lisa Murkowski. Hawaii wasn't yellow. It was green. I couldn't tell. So you've got the entire state of Alaska that has no choice. No choices for consumers. That's not the free market, Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what textbook you studied, lady. That's not free
6: market. It, uh, doing the, uh, the cost-sharing, the reductions, are a way to have it be in the free market, in the marketplace, as opposed to having everyone, uh, say, have many more people on Medicaid or something. So you, uh, there's governor's states have said, give me the money, I'll buy insurance for these people. So this is not bailing out insurance companies. This is about having stability in the private sector.
3: You can tell whenever a Democrat says it's not about something, it's about that thing. This isn't about paying off traders' insurance companies. Yes, it is. For the Democrats, it is. Now, Nancy Pelosi is asked again. Will you compromise? What will compromise you compromise? means both sides give, not... Now, now, she, now, he, now Chris, it's, it's instructional that Chris Wallace has to instruct Nancy Pelosi on what compromise is, because apparently it's an alien concept to her.
9: Compromise means both sides give, not one side gives and the other side takes. Mm-hmm. Republicans want to cut back on Obamacare's mandates, on Obamacare's taxes, mm-hmm. on some of Obamacare's regulations, what are you willing to give? What are you willing to agree to as part of that that would allow a true bipartisan compromise?
6: Well, here's the thing. first of all, you will remember that the affordable care act as as we passed it and as we call it, the Affordable Care Act is something that was very modeled after Romney care. What is by the way, where where's the compromise?
3: And citing a terrible law to justify, another terrible law is lunacy romney care folks you got to look this up cuz i don't have it at the ready but you look up romney care and what it's done to wait times in massachusetts i remember this one distinctly to see an OBGYN, the average wait time is 66 days over 2 months to see an OBGYN. and this is what nancy pelosi
6: cites as justification for imposing Socialism in the country? And that said, you no free riders. Everyone has to have insurance so that if your neighbor is not buying insurance and you are, you're paying more because he or she is not. So this is about enlarging the pool, making it healthier, younger, and having more benefits. See, Nancy Pelosi thinks this, folks. That health care is a right, not a privilege. When it's a right,
3: government has the right to to do whatever it wants in her mind to make sure that everybody gets government health care. You see, they can justify all manner of oppressive lawmaking, oppressive rules and regulations. When you, when you imagine or fabricate the fact that health care is a right, there's nothing you can't justify doing in the acquisition of your power and control. Back in a minute. The Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze.
0: Conservative Talk Radio with Spice.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show
0: only on The Blaze Radio Network. show conservative talk radio with spice
6: that health care is a right not a privilege and and the the more people who are involved in it the lower the costs are for everyone
3: so you get how that works that's nancy pelosi with chris wallace on fox news sunday we democrats believe you know what why she's also kind of a, a phony on this every senate democrat had the ability to go on the record they put up a uh, socialized medicine single payer on the uh, on the floor of the Senate, and they all voted present. <laughs> but you guys understand what she's saying. We Democrats believe that health care is a right. So we are. In- once we we give that nonsense to the American people, once enough Americans believe that nonsense, there is no right to health care. By the way, there's no right to any service in the United States. But. They're trying to push it. Why? Because once you accept, oh, there's a right to health care, then we in government, says Nancy Pelosi, are empowered to do whatever it takes to administer it. And whatever it takes, say hello to Obamacare. Say hello to single payer. Say goodbye to your choice. Say goodbye to high quality. Say goodbye to timely addressing of your medical needs. Say goodbye. Those are the prices you pay for single-payer health care systems. They pay it in the UK. They pay it in Canada. Charlie Gard paid for it with his life. So if that's what you want, go ahead and believe this claptrap of Nancy Pelosi. Oh, uh, uh, health care is a, is a right. No, it's not. She just invented that out of whole cloth, invented it out of thin air. There is no right to health care. There was no right to any service. It's like saying you have a right to landscaping. You have a right to have your pool cleaned for free. You have a right to have your yard mowed. It's, it's insane. You have a right to get your car worked on for free. It's in, or, or your car worked on. It's insane. This idea of health care is a right. Well, if it were a right, then we, were, we, we, we all should have been born out of the womb having instantaneous medical knowledge, Nancy Pelosi, but that's not the way it works. People actually have to go to school. People actually have to study and spend a lot of money to become good doctors. And they deserve fair compensation for that. If it's a right, if everybody deserves it, then everybody should be able to administer it, right? But that's not the case. It's a service, just like any other service. Now, do people deserve access, I think, in a, in a country like America? Yeah, you should have, you have a right to access health care, but not at no expense to you. You know what's lost from the culture? Is this idea of paying for, for, for the health care you get. And if you can't afford to pay right away, then you get on a payment plan and you make sure you pay your debts. But here come the Democrats, folks. Oh, you don't have to pay at all. You know, we'll tax the rich and make them pay for you because we're great. And actually, it was the rich people who were paying for it who were great. But the Democrats always put them down, too. Remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we, the people.
4: See you tomorrow.
1: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
0: Part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network.